Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. What do you do when you're disciplining your kids and they make you laugh? Oh, it's frustrating. All of my kids have done it. Chad, Chad does it too. I do not, because I never get disciplined. A now disgraced YouTube personality is still sitting behind bars in Utah, accused of hurting her own children. And as her legal team tries to figure out how to defend her, Prosecutors are gathering evidence that could potentially put her away for years. We sit down with renowned former prosecutor Nick Ackerman to discuss what he would do if he were heading up the case against Ruby Frankie. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. So we're continuing our discussion of Ruby Frankie. Frankie, of course, the wife and mother of six who came to fame for her now defunct YouTube channel, Eight Passengers, a channel that boasted more than 2 million subscribers and featured videos about her parenting techniques and her life with her husband, Kevin, and six kids. But things certainly have changed when on August 30th, one of Ruby Frankie's youngest children allegedly escaped from the home of Jody Hildebrandt, Ruby's business partner. This young boy running to a neighbor for help, he was reportedly emaciated and had open wounds. That neighbor called 911, and from there, First responders found another one of Frankie's children inside of the home, her 10-year-old daughter, reportedly in similar condition. Ruby Frankie and that business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, were arrested. Each face six counts of aggravated child abuse. I should tell you, each charge carries up to 15 years in prison. And we now know that prosecutors are seeking the medical records of these two children, which I imagine will be very helpful in their prosecution. So we've talked about how Frankie may be able to defend herself against multiple child abuse allegations. What about the prosecution? Is this a slam dunk case or is there more involved than we might know? How should prosecutors move forward with this case? Well, I have a very special guest to help me answer those questions. I'm joined right now by Nick Ackerman. A man who knows his stuff when it comes to prosecuting criminals. He is an attorney, former Watergate prosecutor and assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York with decades of legal experience. Nick Ackerman, so good to see you. Thanks for coming here on Sidebar. Great to be here. Now let's talk, you and I haven't spoke about the Ruby Frankie case yet. What are just your overall thoughts on this case? Well, this is the kind of case that if you're on the DA's side of the fence here, You want to be certain that you bring a case that is absolutely going to be a slam dunk and is going to end up being a conviction. And so you really want to be able to cover the waterfront on all of the evidence. Obviously, there's the evidence from the children and the one situation where uh, the police came into this uh, scene. Uh, But there's also a past history that you really need to prove here. Uh, that really makes this case an impossibility uh, for the defense to to get around. And that is if you can show all of the prior actions. Uh, and certainly one way to do it is to get a hold of any kind of doctor's records or hospital records 
uh, where these kids had to be treated at some prior point in time uh, that would reflect that the kinds of issues they had uh, came as a result of parent neglect uh, and something that the parents did to these children. Let's focus on that because that's some of the more the latest news is that prosecutors have been trying to obtain the medical records of these two children, the son and the daughter, around August 30th when all of this came to light. Um, is it the idea that they want these records to not only back up the claims of abuse, or is it to have it prepared in case the children decide not to testify? Oh, I think it's both. I mean, I think even if the children do testify, uh, you would want this kind of documentary evidence because it would corroborate uh, what the children are saying and would take away any defense that this was some kind of uh, made up uh, imagination in the eyes of the children. I mean, I think it's really important uh, that they have these records because records don't lie. Uh, and my sense is these records would go back a good period of time. And, and and you say the records don't lie. I guess one of the limitations or one of the issues could be when were the wounds inflicted or how they were inflicted? How accurate are these records in determining those issues for prosecutors? Well, we're not going to know, obviously, until we actually see the records. Uh, but they would be admissible in a court of law as business records, regularly conducted uh, activity. Uh, entries that were made at or about the time um, that these incidents occurred uh, and would carry a lot of weight because this would be um, what the doctors observed at the time and what the children said. All of that normally might be considered hearsay, but would be admissible under the business record exception. I, I, I was thinking, should we go into this? And then I was like, do my do the listeners want to get into hearsay? Uh, real quick, real quick, explain that really, really quick, what, what you mean by that. Because, really quickly, yeah. hearsay is just an out-of-court statement. Right. It's what somebody else says out of court that the defense doesn't get an opportunity to cross-examine at the time. Um, what the rules allow is an exception for a business record. Right. Uh, because it's considered that those are reliable um, and that it gets around the hearsay rule. Let's talk about the kids for a second. So I imagine um, this would be ideal for prosecutors to have these children on the stand to explain what happened to them, allegedly at the hands of Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt. Walk us through how that works in terms of whether prosecutors, how they have that conversation with the kids to be potential witnesses, because we don't even know when this trial would happen, um, and whether or not they being on the stand is tough. Walk us through what that's about and how to have actually the kids as witnesses. Yeah, it's extremely tough um, because you're actually asking the kids um, to relive what they went through before uh, through a traumatized situation. Um, you're also dealing with children, minors who aren't necessarily the most reliable witnesses in terms of memory. Uh, and it's really a matter of sitting down with them, going through it step by step. It is going to be a long, laborious process. Um, and you really don't know how it's going to come out because they're not adults. They're not people that you normally um, can deal with in the same way that will have a much better memory. Uh, some of this they may have blocked out just because it was so traumatic. 
Um, so it's not the easiest situation to be in if you're in the DA's office, which is why having records are so important. But it, we do know that uh, based on some recently uh, obtained documents that the son told investigators that Jody tied him to the floor and that there was cayenne pepper and honey that was used to treat his wounds, and they found those products in the house. So it seems to corroborate what the son said. Would it be ideal to have the kids on the stand as witnesses? Would, I mean, because if juries hear that and they hear from the, the – if a jury hears that and the, they hear from the victims themselves, I'm sure that's ideal for prosecutors. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, no question about it. But again, when you're dealing with children, it's very important to have exactly what you just said. That is corroborating evidence, whether it's what the investigators found on the scene, whether it's what doctors observed at the hospital, uh, what the kids said to other people at or about the time these events occurred. All of that is critical because the defense is going to try and say that you can't believe children, uh, that this was made up, this was in their imaginations, and you've got to get around that by corroborating what they're saying through independent evidence, whether it's documents or actual evidence found at the scene at the time or through other people that had contact with the children over that period of time. Would you want the other kids to testify, not necessarily the victims in this case, but I know that at least one of Ruby Frankie's children has been quite vocal against her. And, and when she was arrested, basically, you, you know, had uh, social media posts Finally, like it was time that she was arrested. Would you want those other kids to be witnesses for the state? Um, other kids, meaning people that these kids, children, children, because some of them are about? not, they're not under it. Yes. As for not yeah, when I say I kids, mean, look, I mean, I, they're I think children. You, yeah. Yeah. I think it depends. I mean, this, you're talking about a prior consistent statement, which is again, something that is um, an exception to the hearsay rule. If, in fact, the defense is attacking these kids and their credibility, the one way you can get those statements in is if that happens to show that what they're saying on the witness stand was also said by them at or about the time these events are. So some of that stuff would definitely be admissible under those circumstances. And of course, you'd want to get that in. I guess the question I'm having is there's what happened to these kids at that moment in time. And then there's everything that happened in the past, because as you and I know, Ruby Frankie was facing a ton of criticism over videos that were posted about her parenting techniques. There's one video where she basically says it's her six-year-old daughter's fault for going hungry at school because she refused to pack her own lunch. I know that her teacher is uncomfortable with her being hungry and not having a lunch, and it would ease her discomfort if I came to the school with lunch. Um, but I, I responded and just said, 
Eve is responsible for making her lunches in the morning and she actually told me she did pack a lunch. So the natural outcome is she's just going to need to be hungry. Those videos about all of her, you know, that were on her YouTube channel, the videos that she made with Jody Hildebrand, is that important evidence for prosecutors? Are they going to try to get that in? I think it depends how powerful it is. Yes, if she was just refusing to give her child lunch and the child couldn't eat lunch because of that, sure, that might go into evidence. It all depends what's in that video, how much of it helps the prosecution, and how much of it hurts. It really is a video-by-video video decision um, that the prosecutors have to make. Because once you put in a piece of the video, you have to, under the rule of completeness, put in the entire video. This is, again, getting into lots of rules of evidence. No, it's important. Uh, but that's what a lot of this comes down to. I, I think, yeah, what I, I was curious about, if you have one of the children say, let me tell you what happened five years ago, uh, what Ruby did to me, what my mom did to me, is that relevant? Is that relevant to the case at of hand? Course, is that, of yeah. course, because it would, all of that would be relevant because it would go into showing you know, a pattern of abuse that occurred over a period of time. Right. Uh, and all of that could be admissible. Um, but the DA would have to be awfully careful about it because any of that you put in, you want to make sure that it jives with the rest of the case uh, and that there is some corroboration out there that basically supports what that witness is saying. So Kevin Frankie is Ruby Frankie's husband. He hasn't been criminally charged. We interviewed his attorney on here claims that he has absolutely no idea this abuse was occurring. He was separated from Ruby for over a year. Do you think he would play a witness for the prosecution? And if so, what role would he play? Um, because, again, there are people who suspect that he was a part of, or, or that not even suspect, there are people who have um, wondered what his role is in all of this. And so, again, he hasn't been criminally charged. He hasn't been facing any kind of accusations like this. But I do wonder if he would play a role some sort for the prosecution. Oh, I would think it's very possible. I mean, it really depends what he knew, what the kids said to him over a period of time, uh, and really kind of what he knew and did at the time. I mean, it's the, the question is, if he's put into a grand jury beforehand, is he going to take the fifth or is he going to cooperate with the district attorney? We just don't know that. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns here, obviously. Right. And so the, the proof in the pudding will be interview him, see if he takes the fifth, put him in the grand jury, see if he cooperates or takes the fifth. Um, that'll be the proof in terms of whether he's willing to come forward and, and talk about this. How important is the 911 phone call to the prosecution? Because that's like what started everything. You have this young boy escapes Jody, allegedly escapes Jody Hildebrand's house, goes to the neighbor. The neighbor, in my opinion, seems choked up. He, he's talking about what he's observing from this boy, uh, talking about he, you know, he's begging for food and water, um, and said that he he always felt like something weird was going on in the house, um, and said it's you know bad. How important is that nine one one phone call for prosecutors in a, in a oh, case like this? Extremely important. Again, um, this goes to it being a prior consistent statement. I mean, he would testify and testify all of this. Uh, the moment the Defense tried to impugn his credibility. That 911 call would come in in a nanosecond. So it's extremely important. Uh, and it really puts the defense in a bind because if you start going after 
the child witness, um, the prosecution will immediately be able to put in that uh, 911 uh, recording. I wanted to talk to you about the charges themselves, these six counts of aggravated child abuse. They're quite broad in terms of what abuse constitutes. You have, uh, it has to be some sort of injury, but then it's, it could be an injury that causes, you know, or constitutes torture or malnourishment or that causes a severe developmental delay. Um, and the fact that they are so broad, that's helpful for prosecutors, I imagine. I, I mean, I guess it doesn't mean necessarily that a jury would say every instance of this is, is aggravated child abuse, but I imagine the more broad it is, is beneficial to prosecutors. Well, sure. But again, it all depends on the facts that the prosecution proved. Um, the more they can show that this was what everybody would consider to be child abuse um, is extremely helpful to the prosecution and harmful to the defense. Uh, and it would seem to me that you would not try and bring something in that is just borderline. It sounds like what's being alleged here and the facts here are pretty over the top. Um, and there shouldn't be any question that if proven that this would constitute child abuse. And, and just going back to the language, it, they talk about how child abuse is if the defendant, so let's say Ruby, uh, intentionally or knowingly inflicted upon a child a serious physical injury. Then it says or caused or permitted another to inflict serious physical injury upon the child. So that idea of Ruby placing the blame at Jody or Jody placing the blame at Ruby, when again, I think police said that they had filmed a video together two days before all this happened. So how would you not know about the abuse in that home? That idea of either one of them putting the blame on the other, how as a prosecutor would you fight against that? Well, you really couldn't do it because under the statute, it, it still shows that one knows knowledge about what's going on. They're both the parents. So it, it really puts them in a bind that they can't be in a position to put the blame on the other. Their only position can be it didn't happen. Um, and that really puts them in a pretty strict bind here considering what the evidence appears to be. They, they can't argue that it's not abuse. I mean, it, maybe that's what they would say, is that not nothing they did to them was abuse. I know there's been talk about, well, you, you know, if there was uh, uh, cayenne pepper and honey can be used to treat wounds, but then I'm saying, well, why were the wounds there in the first place? Is, is there best avenue to say it's not abuse and try to convince a jury of that? And how would you say it is abuse? Well, it, it all comes down to a factual question of showing right. how it was abuse, how Certain items were kept from them, how they were harm was inflicted upon them. It, it really comes down to what does all the evidence show? Um, and the jury has to determine, was this abuse or was it not abuse? That is the key question uh, for the jury here. Uh, and that'll be part of the factual basis that's going to be fought out in front of court if they should decide to actually contest this in a trial. If you went to trial, if you were prosecuting this case, what would you say in an opening statement, first thing the jury hears about everything? Oh, I, I think the first thing you would say is, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this is a simple case about two parents who... Over oh, by the way, I should, be, I should be clear, Jody Hildebrandt was not a parent of, um, of these children, but she was Ruby Frankie's business partner. Having said that, it seemed at a certain point these kids were at her house and they were living there, so... Just wanted to clarify. Right. And so you're talking about two people who inflicted serious abuse on two children that basically 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I caused them physical and emotional harm. I mean, that, that's the first thing out of the prosecutor's mouth to, to just drive that home um, with the period of time that occurred and the type of things that they did uh, that amounted to this abuse. I mean, this is not a very difficult opening statement. You, would you focus a lot on the actual injuries and what these children went through? Absolutely. That's what yep. you would focus on for sure, because that's what would hit home with the jury. I mean, everybody in the jury was either a child at some point or they have children. Um, and you, what you'd want to do is bring that emotional appeal to them right out of the box. By the way, what kind of jury would you want in a case like this? Um, to pick, I mean, if I were the prosecutor, I think I'd look for people that um, were, that had kids. I think that would be an important thing. People that can identify with this, the, the, the heinousness of this kind of um, act and what they did. Um, I mean, I think that's what you'd be looking for. There aren't too many people you'd wind up putting off a jury like this. I mean, it's the more you can get people who actually um, have had children of their own and have brought up children, uh, they're going to appreciate what is abuse and what isn't. How strong do you think the case against Jody Hildebrand and Ruby Frankie is? It appears to be pretty strong based on um, just what happened with their children and what they've said and what was found um, you know, at the scene of the crime, basically, um, and what these children are saying. I think it seems like the kind of case where I don't see either of these people um, going to trial on it. I, I just don't see how you could risk uh, being convicted when you might be able to make some kind of a deal with the prosecution. Let me just circle back to one last thing. Um, obviously, we're hearing reports about what the 12-year-old boy has said to law enforcement. But let's say these children decide to no longer cooperate for a number of different reasons. They say, we don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't remember what happened. Blacked it out. If you don't have their testimony, if you don't have their account, how difficult is it to prove these cases? Because I will tell you, one of the aggravated uh, abuse charges uh, says that you know, any, and it, any of this physical injury includes any combination of two or more physical injuries inflicted by the same person, either at the same time or on a different occasion. And if you don't have you know, necessarily medical records that can talk about what happened three weeks, three weeks before or a month before, it feels like it all comes down to the word of these two children. And if you, you don't have the cooperation of these children, um, how difficult is, is it to prove this case against both women? 
I guess it depends what the hospital records show. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's really the answer here. But yes, it does make it more difficult. Now, whether it makes it impossible uh, is a totally different issue. And that would depend on what you have in terms of hospital records, what neighbors might have observed or seen. Um, it really depends on the rest of the evidence. But it does make it more difficult for sure. Nick Ackerman. Thanks so much for coming here on Sidebar, breaking this down for us. We really do appreciate it uh, because we do want to present both sides. We talked about what a potential defense could be. Now we hear what a potential prosecution could be like. Appreciate it, sir. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody, that's all we have for you here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you.